you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, be on the screen behind me. Uh, Mark chapter 1, last week was our first sermon in the book of Mark, as we will be going verse by verse uh, through the book of Mark. And you say, well, Jake, I just don't understand why it's so important that we go verse by verse, that we go word by word. And the issue is that um, when you just pick topics at random, when you uh, pick topics even after much prayer, it is so easy to preach the topics that are easy, that are not difficult. And the Bible is full of difficult things. The Bible is full of challenging things. And God put it all in there for us. And so it is so important to, to look at it, to study it, to, to truly be who God wants us to be. And so last week we looked at verse 1 and it said, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we looked at how each of us needs to have a beginning in our relationship with the Lord. We need to be able to go to that point in our life when we realize that we were lost, we repented of our sins, called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, and came to know Him. And we've seen that last week in who He is. And when we started in chapter 2, or verse 2, excuse me, Uh, The title of the sermon is Watching God's Plan Unfold. Now, I know you are all too spiritual, but in the 80s, there was a TV show. I was too little to watch it, but once I became an adult, I was away from my parents, I watched it, and it went by the name of the A-Team. And some of you guys are thinking, oh yeah, I watched that, heathens. No, I'm just kidding. In that show, there was a line that uh, the leader of their a band of misfits used to always say, and you are going to be familiar with this, I love it when a heathens. No, I'm kidding. Plan comes together. We've all thought that. We've all said that. But when we look at the gospel of Mark and we see what Jesus is getting ready to do, and we look at this individual named John the Baptist, we see that God had a plan. And when we read this first chapter of Mark, we get to see how it unfolds. You say, Jake, well, what does that mean for my life today? I mean, this was 2,000 years ago. A man who lived in the wilderness, who dressed funny, who looked funny and ate funny things. How does that relate to me? Well, it relates to you and I because God has a purpose and a plan for you. And I know you're too spiritual to say this, but I have definitely watched what God has been doing in my life from time to time and thought, I don't understand. I don't even like how this is going. I need some explanations for why things are going this way. And usually if I will just be patient and obedient and trust the Lord, I can look back and say, oh, not the way I would have done it, but it was definitely the best way to do it. I didn't like it while it was happening, but God, I'm so thankful for what you accomplished. Sometimes that's the most difficult when it's hard, when it's in the loss of a loved one, in the diagnosis that we didn't want to get, in the betrayal that someone has caused toward us. In those moments, when we're in the middle of the valley, when they're in the middle of the storm, it's hard to say, God, I'm watching this unfold, and I like where it's heading. Now, that's always the answer in Sunday school, right? I'm just going to trust and obey. But when you're alone at night and you're in prayer and you're in tears and you're studying the Scripture for something to help you, I can promise you I am not always as spiritual as I should be. 
But what we see here is a reminder to each and every one of us that God has a plan. That God has a plan. He is working on that plan. And He has a plan for the future. And so if you would, pray with me. And we're just going to jump right in. Father, today we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for loving us so much that You put a plan into motion, to a plan into design to save us from our sins. Lord, it's not us, it's not this church, Lord, but it was your plan, it was your purposes. Father, I thank you for that. Today, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't truly know you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to deal with them. Lord, that you would show them that you have a plan for their life. Father, I pray that as we look at your word today, Lord, you would help remind us and solidify our belief, Lord, that you are in control, that you do know what you are doing. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. John the Baptist was a unique individual. John the Baptist is an individual who was uh, miraculously conceived. His parents were very uh, aged, uh, and uh, it was a miracle, very much so. And you say, well, then John must have had a simple life, an easy life. No, he had a vow, and he ate strange things, and uh, dressed a certain way, and and, uh, he had a great ministry. Great ministry preaching the repentance, the message of repentance. And many came and were baptized as a result of that repentance. But John the Baptist didn't have an easy life. If you know anything about John the Baptist, he preached against some very unpopular things for the religious and national leader of the day. And because of that, he was thrown in prison. Because of that, he looked and said, you can't be marrying that lady. She was your brother's wife. And as you know, he ended up losing his head. John the Baptist is one of the most familiar and famous people of the Scripture, even by lost people's standpoint. Because why? We're drawn to things that are dramatic. And having your head cut off because of what you preached is pretty dramatic. And you say, wait a second, Jake, I thought you just said that John, that God had a purpose and a plan and was working all things out. I'm sure when John's parents found out that they were going to have this miraculous child, they didn't end up thinking, well, that's how it's going to end for him. And I'm sure that when Mary got the news that she was going to have this miraculous child of Jesus, that she probably didn't think the cross is the ideal goal. But yet God knew that the cross was required. That not only was the cross required, that Sunday would be coming. Just like He knew that John the Baptist had to come and had to point people to Jesus. And so the first thing I want to show you today is this. That God had a plan in the past. God had a plan in the past. Look what it says here in verses 2 and 3. As it is written in the prophets, he's talking about the Old Testament, quoting from Isaiah chapter 40. Behold, I send messengers before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Friends, if you want to know how God is at work, read his word. Look at how he works. Look at how He accomplishes His purpose. Look at what His heart is and the desires that He's trying to accomplish. You see, in our life, we try to accomplish what is best for us. 
what is most convenient for us, what is most beneficial for us. But God is always at work bringing Himself glory, reaching the lost, reaching the hurting, reaching the broken, encouraging the downtrodden. And so while we are always thinking about us, God has a bigger picture in store. But what He shows us here is that John coming has always been a part of the plan. Some guy didn't just wake up one morning and say, I think I want to eat some locust and eat some honey and wear some uncomfortable clothes and live away from people. Hey, the living away from people, I get that part. Eating funny things, not so much. Dressing in uncomfortable clothes, I've got a tie on, but I don't think it's the same. And what we see here is, though, that God told us in the Old Testament that He was coming. And this is important Because friends, you need to know that God's Word is true. That is why you can read in the Old Testament all of these prophecies that have come true. Because God wants you to know Him. God wants you to believe Him. God wants you to have a relationship with Him. God wants you to be able, when the things of life come, to know that He is still there. That He has always been there. That He is not surprised. That He has not had it occur To him, Psalms 119 describes it like this in verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. The greatest two problems that church face is this. The first, the church is full of people who have never truly been saved. I know that's hard to hear. People attend church. They might even give to church. They might even be active in church. But friends, you must be born again. You must have a relationship with the Lord. It must transform who you are. And the second is this. We have stopped studying the Word of God. We don't know how to quote it. We don't know how to remember it. We know that probably somewhere it's in there, and yet we don't study. What it says here in Psalms 119 is what? You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your Word, the promises of God fulfilled in Jesus is the answer to life's problems. When I go through a loss of a loved one, the hope that I have is not in the life that was lived with me, not in the children that we have, but in the promise that God says, if I know the Lord, they know the Lord, that I will one day see them again. When I go through tragedy in life, whether it's job loss or a cancer diagnosis or God calls me to do something that I don't think I can do, it's those promises that He has given me everything I need, that He will never abandon me, that He has works accomplishing, that He's already planned beforehand. And so I know I'm not responsible for the accomplishments. I'm just responsible for doing what God has asked me to do. Friends, the Word of God speaks to every issue in life. It speaks to every personal issue that we face. It speaks to every cultural issue we face. It speaks to everything. Why? Because God is all-knowing. And He knows what is necessary. He knows what is needed. And so the greatest gift you can give yourself as a believer is to study the Word of God, to know the Word of God, and to apply it to your life, because it shows us here that God had a plan in the past. Second thing I want to show you is that God works out a plan in the present. 
God works out a plan in the present. Look here in verses 4 through 6. So John had been prophesied about, and here he comes. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remissions of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locust and wild honey. And so we see here that John is preaching a message. Now some people would say, well see, you have to be baptized to go to heaven. That's not what it says there. It is saying they were coming out to be baptized because they had confessed their sins. They were repenting and turning from them. They were anticipating that the Messiah was coming. They were putting their faith and trust toward Him. It wasn't baptism that saves. Lucy was not saved last week because she was baptized. Emory was not saved last week because she was baptized. They were saved and because of their repentance, because of their confession of faith, because God brought them to new life, then it was a public display of this is what has happened to me. This is what God has done for me. God took the old me that was sinful and wicked and, and, and rebellious and has been crucified with Christ. I have been buried with Him and I have been raised to new life. I have been made brand new because of what Jesus did for me. And I want you all to know it. That's why someone says, well, Jake, I've been saved, but I don't want to be baptized. It doesn't make any sense. Because why? It's a sign of obedience. I want you to know that God's been good to me. I want you to know that God's changed my life. I want you to know that God has shown me mercy and grace when I didn't deserve it. It's a sign of humility. And what we see here is that John is doing what God asked him to do. And friends, I want you to see that in your life because whether you think God has worked in the past, maybe today you think He is done with you. He's given up on you. That what you're going through, He cannot be involved in. But listen to what Psalm 119 says. This has been a verse that I have tried to teach my children. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. You see, most young people think, well, I'll, I'll get right with God when I'm older. Many young adults or even middle-aged adults will say, well, I'll get right with the Lord when I'm older. But Psalm says, if you want a life that is blessed, if you want a life that finds purpose, if you want to know how to live a life that honors God, it's His Word. Start when you were young. Apply God's Word when you were a youth. Apply God's Word when you were a teen. Because most of the people sitting in this room, most of us would say, oh, if I had just listened to God when I was younger, the heartache that I would have avoided. The pain that I could have missed out on. The decisions I am so thankful that social media did not catch, I could have avoided. Why? Because the Bible says it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God when you're young. It's the Word of God when you're middle-aged. It's the Word of God when you're aged. It's His Word that the Spirit uses. You say, I like Christian music. Nothing wrong with Christian music. I think you ought to listen to Christian music. But you need the Scriptures. 
You say, I love coming to church. I love hearing the, the singing and the preaching's tolerable. I understand that too. But you need the Word of God in your life daily. Whether it's through a Bible app, through it studying the Word of God at home, you need that in your life. Because God will use it to correct you. He will use it to encourage you. He will use it to equip you. You say, Jake, I've been doing this Christian thing for a long time and I don't study my God, my Word, the Word of God. Friends, you are like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. You're working hard, but you're not accomplishing anything. You need the Word of God. And that is why it says in the present, not just I used to know it, I used to study it, I used to believe that God had a plan. Not that I know that He will in the future. I know when I get older. No, now. John was doing ministry in the moment. He was trusting God in this situation. And he was doing what God had asked him to do. And friends, that can be you as well. So the multitudes came to John and they were listening to this message. Third and final thing that I have for you. You say, Jake, are we getting another short sermon this morning? I think so. And all God's people said, Amen. That's almost as bad as your A-team comment. No, I'm just kidding. God has a plan for the future. God has a plan for the future. He had a plan in the past. He is working on that plan today. And God has a plan for the future. Look what it says here in verses 7 and 8. And he preached saying, There comes one after me. John says, I'm not the focus who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He says, hey, this is great. Your hearts are being prepared for what is coming, for the One who is coming. But He says, I'm not Him. I'm not the one that can save you. I'm not the one that can redeem you. I'm not the one that can fix you. The great one is coming. And friends, I want you to see that because if you're John and you're like most people, you're thinking, I got this figured out. The crowds are coming. The people want to listen to me. The people are responding to me. And John shows us why the Bible says he was the greatest man ever born of a woman outside of Jesus because of his humility. He is humble. And the opportunity to be boastful. You say, I'm not prideful, Jake. Well, you're a liar because all of us can be. In that moment, he says, I want you to see this. It's not about me. It's about him. And that him is Jesus. Friends, the same goes true for if you're teaching a Sunday school class. I hope it's going well. I hope God's blessing you. I hope it is everything that you hoped it would be. But it's never about you. As a pastor, I'm thankful that God is working here. I'm thankful that we're seeing growth. I'm thankful that God is doing amazing things. But look up here. It has got nothing to do with me. It's all Him. He gets the credit. He gets the glory. And friends, if you want your life to really have meaning and purpose and value, whatever God allows you to accomplish, point it to Him. God gave me the talent to do what I do. God gave me the resources to do what I do. God showed me the favor to accomplish what I've accomplished. It's all Him. And when this church and you as a family and me as an individual can get to that point and say, you know what? It's Him.
This guy is sinful and broken and selfish and has a temper. And he can look at things in the world the wrong way and think about things the wrong way and apply things the wrong way. But I'm telling you, God is not like that. He is faithful and true and perfect in every way. and That's what he's doing. He's pointing people to him. You say, well, John must have never had any trouble. If you're not familiar with this story, John the Baptist was arrested. And as he waited in prison, he began to have some doubts. You say, oh, that can't be, that can't be true. It is. He sent a messenger to say, are you the promised one? Are you the Messiah? Friends, none of us are immune in the difficulties of life to waver, to doubt, to have fears. Today I want you to think about that because maybe you are more blessed today than you have ever been. And you're sitting here listening to this sermon going, this doesn't apply to me. I got more money. I got more hair. I have got everything a person should need in life. Friends, I want you to know there are hurting people all around you. There are hurting people in your family. There are hurting people in this church. And if the Lord leaves you here long enough, you'll probably face something like this. Time of great trial. Time of great tribulation. And I hope that on that day, if it ever does come, that you'll remember this sermon. Lord, you had a plan before I was born, before this started to happen. God, you have a plan as this is happening. And God, I believe you have a plan for the future. But what we really see in this text is, though, that John is just saying, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. He is the one that can allow you to be born again. This baptized with the Spirit, we know in the New Testament, it teaches us, one, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the world to convict it of sin and righteousness and judgment. And when you and I are saved, something miraculous happens. The very Spirit of God comes to live within us. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe it happened in the Old Testament, and I believe it happened... In the New Testament, we see on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and began to work and move in the lives of the people. Friends, we are living in a unique, special, and amazing time where we do not have to go to a temple to worship God, but we are a temple that God chooses to reside in. We have that wonderful privilege And so what he's saying is, yes, water is good, and yes, this changing is good, but what Jesus can do for you, that's where it's at. And if you're here today and you're saved, you know that's true. I don't know about you, but I've tried a lot of things in this whole world to make me happy. A lot of things in this world to find purpose. Friends, I'm telling you, the only place you can really find it is Jesus. Oh, you say, Jake, I've got a big car, I've got a big house, I've got everything I want. I can promise you when that's all gone, you'll realize that it ain't worth it. Nothing wrong with having it. I'm thankful that God's blessed me with a nice home. I'm I'm glad that God has blessed me with enough to live on, and I'm going to be thankful for that. But if it's all gone, 
I want to make sure that He's still there. I'm thankful for my health, as good and bad as it's been. I'm thankful. But friends, if it's gone and I have nothing else, I want to make sure on that day that I still have Him. I'm thankful for people in my life that are good to me and love me and help me and and do all of those things. and, And I'm thankful for that day. But friends, if I wake up one day and there's no one but me and the Lord, I want to make sure that it's Him who is with me. Because friends, it's all about Him. He is the answer. He is the solution. He is the Son of God. He is the one who has created everything, made everything, and it's all by Him that it has been made. And Psalms 18 verse 30 says it like this, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust Him. That's the promise that God gives us. You say, well, Jacob, I've got what I want to accomplish. I know what I need to do in my life is what I'm getting from this sermon. No, you need to be reminded from this sermon like it says in Proverbs 16, 17, and 18. And I'm not going to read all three chapters to you. But in verses 1 through 4 it says, The preparation of the heart belonged to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. The Lord has made all for Himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Friends, if you want to know how to make it through the valleys and the mountains, it's running to Him and saying, God, I want your direction. I want your wisdom. God, I want your purpose. I want your plan for my life. And God, I know that I can trust you wherever that leads me. What that means is as we close is first, If you're here today, God wants a relationship with you. The Bible is abundantly clear that He died for you, that He loves you, and today He will save you from your sins if you will call upon His name. Believe and repent that today Jesus Christ will save you. He died on the cross for you. He was buried. He rose again. And so nothing about the purpose and plan for your life can truly begin until that happens being brought into his family. If you're here today and you're a believer, what does that look like? It means obedience. God, I want to be obedient to your word. God, I want to be obedient to what the Spirit leads me to do according to your word. God, I want to be faithful in everything you've asked me to do. And that's where God can use you. And so wherever you're at on that spectrum, whether you're lost and need to be saved, or whether you're saved and just want to obey him more, Today is that day to make that decision. Pray with me as you stand. Father, we thank you for your word. Not my word, but yours. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for showing us in your word, preparing everything, Lord, that we can believe you. Father, today I know that sermons like this are difficult because one, we all have desires and things we want to accomplish and things we struggle with. But God, I just pray that you'd give us as a church the humility to admit when we're wrong, to admit when we're selfish, to admit when we need you, Lord, and that we will seek you as individuals, as family, Lord. Help us to seek your will in humility and in obedience to your word. 
Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that's lost today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is working on them, showing them that they can be saved, that they can be made brand new, and Lord, that everything could change for them. And Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.